2: Well, we think you guys are beginning to miss us because we haven't done one of these in a few weeks, but the seventh inning stretch is back tonight. We're talking about David Ortiz and his potential. Is this the best age 40 season or greater? We're going to talk about Joe DiMaggio's streak, and if anybody's ever going to come close to that again, kind of what the excitement of of the long-hitting streak is. And then finally, we're going to break into... Uh, the trade you know the trade market about a month away from the trade deadline who are the who do you think are going to be buyers who do you think are going to be sellers joining me as always is armando agulo armando how are you this evening
1: i'm good man glad to be back talking a little bit of baseball it's been far too long really uh the david ortiz conversation should be a good one uh, i i you know just looking forward to this entire show really
2: yeah i mean i'm i'm really pleased about the fact that i get to talk about baseball right now considering uh yeah mets sweep the royals in a two game series but then i have the you know, the worry of Noah Syndergaard and Yoan assessment is both going to the hospital after the game. So uh, I might be a little off the rails this evening, but uh, that's where that's where you're supposed to play the straight man, Armando.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, man, you're a wreck, but we'll be all right. We're going to power through this. I think you're going to be yeah. okay.
2: I think I'll be okay. It's just a game. It's just a game. That's it. It's just that's a it. game. There's I no keep telling cry, myself there's that. no
1: crying in baseball. Yeah,
2: but I would also quickly like to thank you for um, you know because you've done so much to help us with. Uh, thanks for taking two straight from the Nats. Needed it Needed that.
1: You know, man, we try to do the little things. We leave it late and make it nervy. But, you know, that was always going to come through for you, buddy.
2: I I appreciate it. I do have one question. You know, they built it up for Monday night. Strasburg versus uh, Kershaw. Strasburg scratched with a bad back. Now I know he's had back issues before. And I know he's been a little bit fragile in his career. But uh, I have a bigger question for you. Do you just think he pushed out because he didn't want to face Kershaw?
1: I mean, I would like to say yes. Uh I, I I you know like you said he's had history of it all in the past and I mean his team you know is a first place ball club so I don't think as a professional that would be the case but I would like to believe
2: yes That'd be some real natitude <laughs>
1: Oh man this is going to be fun
2: Yeah so so we're going to go into a uh, few questions we've taken from uh from listeners First we're going to go to a question submitted by Dan Kennett about uh David Ortiz where he yeah, you know, what what do we make of this season he's having at age forty and is it the greatest age forty season ever? So Armando, what do you think? Is it?
1: Look, I mean in my lifetime, it has to be. I mean, uh Julio Franco was good. He and he had a long forties. He probably played it like seven years into his forties, right? So so he has a long one, but he, he was solid contributor to to you know, some Braves team still in that age. Uh you know, I think 40 usually we see pitchers, uh, especially during the steroids era, uh, really go deep into their careers. Clemens, I think the only one that, that, isn't really linked with steroids during that time. That that succeeded during that uh, to that age was Randy Johnson. So for me, what Bobby's doing is, is is phenomenal. First off, I mean my hat off to him. It probably takes you know a tremendous work ethic to, to go in and grind every day and do what he does and to be this successful. Still, I mean there's a ton of pressure on him all the time. He's David Ortiz. You know what I mean? He's been the face of the Red Sox for quite some time. So for me, you know, I'm incredibly impressed. And it has to be. I mean, where he he ranks in stats. Right now, and the the way that he's continuing to carry this team, I know he has a great supporting cast and some real studs on that team, don't get me wrong, but he's still the focal point, you know what I mean? So for me, I'd have to say, yeah, I'd have to give it to him that in my lifetime, with my eyes, this has to be the best 40-plus for for a hitter uh, season that I've ever seen.
2: So you mentioned the stats, I think we should quickly go to just, you know, recite with the traditional stats he's doing right now, and what he's maintaining, He's third in the American League with a 339 batting average. He's sixth in home runs with 18. He's second in RBI with 559, or fine, 559 RBIs in the season. Would be in, yeah. That'd
1: be phenomenal. Wow. I,
2: I can't even do that in a video game.
1: No, absolutely not.
2: Uh, first in, in, the, in slugging percentage with a 669 slugging percentage. First in the AL and OPS. Um, that's just incredible.
1: That is incredible. I mean the slug. I mean, dude, that that's MVP numbers. Let's be honest.
2: Oh, it it absolutely is. Now, are you are you at all worried about the fact that uh, we're and we're going to get into a little bit of some uh, so, some geekiness with this? David Ortiz currently is putting up an isolated power uh, of three sixty. So, if anybody doesn't know isolated power is effectively it's a way it's it's you take uh, I think it's all of the different types of it bat of hits you can have so home runs doubles triples uh, and uh, doubles and singles and you weight them effectively by taking those less slugging percentage less average so anything over about 250 in isolated power is considered you know remarkable david ortiz is right now at 360 which is insane <laughs> um, i don't I,
1: whoa, whoa, whoa what are you serious
2: yeah his isolated power number is 360 the highest number he's ever posted as a in his full season isolated power was 2012, where he only played 90 games, but he had an isolated power of 293. Dude, that's some gaudy, gaudy, gaudy shit. Yeah, his career his career number that that stat, in that stat is 265, which is still like you know mega elite, but he's outperforming that by a hundred points this season, which is strange because of the fact that the walk rate and the strikeout rate are pretty much in line with his career averages so it doesn't suggest like he's doing any like he's reaching or trying to do too much or changing his swing because he's you know he's doing what he normally does it's just his balls are carrying now the other thing that seems to be quite unsustainable for him is the 3.44 batting average on balls in play so just in case anybody doesn't know the batting average on balls in play is you take away strikeouts, walks, any plate appearance that doesn't that doesn't result in a ball actually physically being put in play, and you're going to affect and you're going to effectively weight how that you know you're just going to take the batting average on those balls. Now that will what that should do is tell you whether or not a player is you know getting lucky. And there are some some nuances to the particular stat itself. Like for instance, a guy who hits the ball on the ground a lot and has a high batting average on balls in play and is fast. He's gonna have a higher batting average on balls in play because he puts the, the, the entire purpose is putting the ball in play so you can beat it out. Same thing happens actually typically with power hitters because a power hitter is typically gonna hit a ball further. So home runs, doubles, things that hit the wall, those you're never gonna really be able to make a play on as well, and you're gonna to get to you're gonna reach base on that. That said, his career average there is 300. He's hitting 340. He's hitting 344 on batting average, batting average on balls in play. So he's a he's outperforming by forty four points. Uh, do you think this is sustainable, Armando? In the light of what I've just presented,
1: look. I mean, it seems like the perfect storm, not just for Poppy but for uh, for Boston right now. In all reality, their their, their their lineup. I know it's cooled down just a bit now, but the way they've been hitting all season has been remarkable. And, and you know, he has protection in that lineup. He has a lot of. Uh, a lot of other players in that Boston uh, lineup that can, that can do some damage and really help the team. So it's hard to really pitch around them and and, and or pitch around David Ortiz. Uh, to be honest, man, I do. Uh, it's hard to say. I, it's it's not sustainable because for, for for the fact that you know nobody does this, right? But if anybody could do it, it, it seems like the perfect storm right now, man. So I, I don't completely discredit the fact that it's possible this season for David Ortiz to keep this going. If he can stay healthy and he can continue to get enough protection in that lineup and, and Boston could continue to stay hot. Yeah. I think he's motivated, you know, in his farewell season, he's incredibly motivated to go out on top and, and not just himself, but, but to be a winner with Boston. So, uh, yeah, I think it's possible, bro. Uh, likely, I don't know, but it's possible.
2: I just feel like it's unlikely to, like, I, I think he's still going to finish the season with ridiculous numbers. I just don't quite get where he's going to, uh, like e- where he's going to stay healthy <laughs> I, in age 40. That's what I really don't get. I mean, I get that he doesn't have to play the field. That certainly helps, but I just, I just don't get how he's going to, Be able to do that,
1: right? That's a huge, huge, huge factor, right? That that, so in hypothetical, yeah, but it's possible. But yeah, I agree, man. It's going to be tough, but if he could stay healthy, which is a big if, I I I like his chances this year. It really does seem like the perfect storm.
2: Yeah, I I do too. But it's it's definitely the greatest age forty season I've ever seen. The only because yeah, I was looking. The only other guy who was thinking had that sort of excellence as a hitter at age forty because you you mentioned the pitchers already. Who I would have at least would have thought would have was Barry Bonds. Now, obviously, that was also you know greatly enhanced as was the time. But Bonds actually fell off at age forty. Age forty, he only played fourteen games. He he won the MVP. He won an MVP. He won the MVP in the National League for the four years running before that. But he he fell off at age forty. That's that's legitimately where it went. You know, tits up for him.
1: Wow. Wow! 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 That's it. I, I, I was surprised. I thought he played a couple seasons into his 40s, So that's that's kind of surprising.
2: Well, he did play two seasons after that, but he was a limited effect. I remember he hit he hit number seven fifty six at age forty two.
1: Ah! Uh, all right! All right! That makes sense. That makes sense.
2: But on the bright side, we have the ability to say that it's not Barry Bonds with the greatest age forty season ever.
1: Yeah, I would say, like like I said, man, the other two that were very productive, I would say, is Ricky Henderson and Julio Franco, off the top of
2: my head. Yeah, Julio Franco is absolutely ageless. I remember seeing him play as a Met at forty eight, <laughs> getting it and getting it fast in the playoffs. Oh,
1: 48. Jesus Christ! Oh man! But no, hey, hey, I mean, and he was he was stacked too, built built like a tank. That guy took care of his body. Ricky Henderson, too.
2: Ricky Henderson is the best leadoff hitter who ever lived, total aside.
1: Yeah, absolutely. You're not going to get any argument from me. At best, probably, personality baseball's ever seen, too.
2: Oh, absolutely great. So we're now going to go into the second question we received, this one coming from uh, Joey Connors. He asked us, do we think anybody is ever going to match or surpass Joe DiMaggio's 50-game hit streak, 56-game hit streak, and you know what, now that I think about it, because Joe, when he posed the question to us, was thinking, wasn't thinking question, because he was also thinking of another long Yankee streak, which is Lou Gehrig's, which was subsequently broken by Cal Ripken Jr. Do you think anybody also, someone asked you this question too, Armando, do you think anybody also approaches Cal Ripken's consecutive game streak? So let's take the consecutive game streak first, because that's, uh, I think it's an easier answer.
1: Absolutely No. Nobody, no, sh- no, no chance, no freaking chance. The way that these guys are taken care of, and you know, people are given days off, and you know, there's very few grinders like there, like Cal Ripken, who you know, I mean, Cal Ripken wasn't healthy all the time. That that that's it's a farce. He had to have been dealing with knocks and injuries and and pulls and strains, but but he played through it, and you know, he was a grinder. That that that's what made you know him proud to to play ball. He he was proud of that. He he and and I don't know if that that exists anymore. You know what I mean? These Professionals are really pampered. I'm not saying they don't love the game and they don't want to. They don't work hard, man. But I just don't think it's the same mentality as it was. And even Cal was, you know, the last of that generation to think that way, to play that way. uh And and for me, that single handedly is probably the greatest achievement in baseball history. The home runs are cool. You know, Pete Rose's hits are cool. It's phenomenal stuff. Don't get me wrong. I'm not discrediting it whatsoever. But what Cal Ripken did uh, is insane.
2: Yeah, I just you know. Calculated it. It's sixteen point two five seasons. So you have to play sixteen and a quarter seasons straight to break that. Most guys' careers don't even last sixteen years anymore.
1: That's what I mean, man. Day in in day happening. out starting. Starting. Not playing, but starting.
2: Yeah. Start. You ha- I mean, I think for Ripken streak to work, he had to have at least played an official game, which I think is five you know, five and a half I don't think it's five and a half innings. I know what an official game is five and a half innings, but he had to play five and a half innings of every single game for 16.25 seasons. Yeah, there you go. I mean, he broke Gehrig's record by two and a half seasons. Sorry, three seasons. And,
1: and for the people overseas, that's 162 games in a season. Not counting playoffs, not counting preseason or, or spring training.
2: Uh, who are we kidding? The, the Orioles stopped going to the playoffs for a while during
1: his <laughs> <their> career. <laughs> You're a fucking asshole. But yes, yes, everyone, they were bad for a long, long time.
2: Yeah, it also helps when you're the coach's son.
1: Oh, stop it. Billy never got stop any joking. fucking
2: love. Stop it. Billy's Billy, Billy Ripken did not get the same love that Cal did. <laughs> Poor Billy.
1: <laughs> Short end of that stick, bro.
2: Yeah, but that'll never happen. So we're going to go into the hitting streaks. So Joe DiMaggio in 1941 hit 56 straight games. Since then, the, uh, the people who have put a challenge to it was in 1978, Pete Rose hit 44. Paul Molitor at 39 in 1987. Jimmy Rollins had 38 in 2005, in 2005 into 2006. And then uh, who else do we have who put a good run against it? Luis Castillo had 35 in 2002, and Chase Utley with 35 in 2006. Your favorite. I mean, there's there's two guys who did this in Phillies uniforms on there. I, I have to give them respect. Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins are both guys who I think are going to be, you know, in consideration for or will be in the Hall of Fame. But uh, 56 games, 50, hitting in 56 straight games is unreal. like I, I don't think that happens either.
1: Uh, no, probably not. I mean, that's why I think I think it's so out there to think that somebody can hit in 56 straight games uh that that you know once players start getting into the 20s people start getting excited you know and and rightfully so that even that's an achievement 30 plus games is is incredible right you know what Utley Castillo Rollins did even Dan Ugla had a good run and and for me it's incredibly impressive but it's not going to happen again man I, I think the quality of pitcher now uh you know everything taken into consideration the shifts so much so many things are taken into consideration defensively now that wasn't taken into consideration before analytics and stuff and, and i just don't think it's possible anymore uh teams seem to be incredibly prepared and and also i think that instant replay makes it harder because as many times as like you'll get a call overturned for safe sometimes you know umpires get them wrong and a lot of hits would come from that it, it is what it is during these streaks so you got to get lucky sometimes and bang, bang, you know what I mean? And, and you're not going to get those anymore either. So it's going to be tough, man.
2: I, ha- I happen to agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I, do, I do take a little bit of exception with one thing that you're bringing up that was a potential reason not for it, which I think is basically the uh, the shift. Because I think that some there are some guys who are good enough contact hitters as to where they're just going to hit the ball wherever it's pitched and you can't shift against those guys. So for instance, and you know maybe we can... Maybe we could touch on this topic a little bit too. Even though he didn't do it in his prime, I, Ichiro, you couldn't play a shift against because he could hit a ball wherever he wanted to. Or somebody who puts the ball on the ground, like you know, like Castillo was doing in his prime. Castillo used to just slap the ball and, run, and you know and beat, beat throws to first. That because you know because you remember that Marlins team that won that Castillo and Pierre at the top of their lineup. They basically just said we're going to slap the ball, put it on base, and you're never going to pitch out of the windup against us. So I think a guy like that is the only person who could do it. But I think part of the reason it won't happen not, is also just there are so many hitters now where the approaches are so bad. It's just, you know, try to pull everything and hit them for home runs instead of, you know, try to string together singles. And that drives me uh it drives me a bit nuts to watch sometimes. It drives me a bit nuts when my team does that, which, you know, they've been doing far too much of. But they're not the only team I see doing that. It, it's, you know, bad hitting fundamentals are a part of baseball to stay. Look at how many strikeouts we have uh, this year. The month of May had more strikeouts than any other month in history. And the only month that had beaten it previous, the only month that had come close to it, was April. I'm pretty sure <laughs> at the end of June, we're going to see that there are more strikeouts in June than there were in April and May. Because Major League hitters' approaches are just so bad at this point.
1: Yeah, that's a shame, man. For you and me both, I mean, we're National League guys and, and, and we like old, you know, Old school small ball, you know, hit spray the ball around, hit it in the gap. We, we like genuine, you know, good old fashioned baseball. And, and you know, that, that's gone away quite a bit. And, and it's really sad. It's almost non existent. So, you know, it's sad to see that, but, but for sure, um, you know there are some players, and I agree with you in in, in, the, in the pro in, in the type of player that you're saying would would be even, you know, reasonable to consider getting this. You know, a D a D Gordon, somebody of that ilk, because they just slap the ball around. Yeah, I agree with that 100. Uh, but it's, yeah, speed's the only way it's to happen. Yeah, for sure, man. Absolutely. Um, yeah, you're not gonna do it. You know, you can't. You're not. Big Poppy's not gonna hit for 56 in a row. It's just not gonna happen. I don't care how hot he is and stays. He just he's not gonna beat it him out. You know what I mean? He's not gonna beat out that infield single that he needs.
2: No, the only way Poppy's getting an infield single is if he hits a, you know, cues one down the third baseline and the wait and third baseman is waiting to see is this gonna die on the infield grass or go foul?
1: Right. Right. Exactly. But hey, let's talk about Ichiro, and, and let's give him his due. Uh, so, so, uh, you know, him passing, uh, Pete Rose, you know, not in major league standards, but in professional baseball standards, and that's a huge accomplishment. And if Ichiro would have been here, you know, at the start of his career, odds are he would have broke it. You know what I mean?
2: Absolutely. And, you know, it, it's, it's a weird one for me, because, uh, I don't really like Pete Rose. Like, I think he's kind of a dick.
1: Well, he's a dick. He's a dick rows the baseball player. Charlie Hustle is phenomenal.
2: Oh, he is an amazing player, but he is a dick, and it makes it very difficult for me to not want to say, like, you know, like, oh, Ichiro has more hits than this dick. But <laughs> the, the standard of Japanese baseball versus the versus the majors is it's different, and the majors, are, I mean, are better. But Japanese baseball is basically the equivalent, I think, of probably like you know, high A slash double A ball. But you have some very good players in it, but they're all, all the really good players are starting to leave now because they—they they know that they can get money, you know, more money in the, uh, in the majors. And you know, if you look at Ichiro, he was a marketing phenomena aside from being a great baseball player at the time. But Ichiro is the best hitter, best natural hitter I think we've seen in baseball in 20 years. Yeah,
1: I, I can't disagree with that, and with his approach being as unique as it was, and his stance, and then just the way he he slapped the ball around, you know, running already, and and everything else, it was. It was, it was it was new when he came and then, like you said the marketing phenomenon that was and and it started really to to bring other players in like Hideki Matsui and and players. And play. <laughs> um what's that guy that uh what's that guy for you guys? What's that guy? Fuck, I forget his oh, name. Oh, Cashman No, the other one. The more flamboyant outfielder.
2: Oh, Shoshi Shinjo. Yes,
1: that guy. Well, both of them, but yes, that guy. He's I love that guy.
2: I love Chiyoshi Shinjo.
1: His wristbands, the price of admission for that alone, and his hair was phenomenal.
2: oh Yeah, he also wasn't a terrible player. <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I, I couldn't even. I couldn't even tell
1: you. I was too. I was too distracted by everything else.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's not really, really particularly great by any stretch of the, in the imagination. I mean, he was a solid player. I liked him, But getting back to Ichiro, he's also going to roughly get. He's going to get three thousand hits at some point in. The uh, in the next few weeks, which you know that that cements his place in Cooperstown. I it for for me with him, it's just a question of how are people going to see his uh his resume. Like he's never going to be seen as the greatest leadoff hitter of all time because you know as we mentioned earlier, that's Ricky Henderson, and no no nothing that anybody can do will take that from him. But you know, is he one of the ten best hitters of? I, I can't say of all time because I didn't see you know Cobb or Honus Wagner because I'm not 137, <laughs> or George Sisler, But I wonder where his place is going to end up as being thought of in Major League history as a hitter.
1: I mean, on pure numbers, man, and on what we saw in our generation, he has to be undisputed, you know, top three for sure, if not, like you said, the best hitter, pure hitter we've seen. Um, and and for me, I just think uh, it's a matter of, of uh, him, you know, he didn't have too much of a personality. So for like to say he's the best leadoff hitter, a lot of people remember Ricky Henderson for more than just what he did on the field. And, and because he made you remember him, you know what I mean? And I think each real soft spoken, didn't really speak the language when he came, doesn't really grant many interviews, still doesn't. And it's just, I think that doesn't help his cause, but on pure baseball numbers and stuff, bro, without a doubt for, for you and me has to be in the top three uh, best hitters we've ever seen.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm trying to think who else I could put up there as far as pure, just hitting ability. Just you know, just I'm going to get a single because that's what I need. It's him and it's Gwynn for me.
1: That's it. I agree. I agree. I agree. And they're arguably the one too because Tony Gwynn was sensational when 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 he was doing his thing for the for the for the, uh, for the Padres, and uh, he was a thorn in our side for a long, long time. And and it was always good to see a chubby guy do whatever he wanted with a baseball.
2: He was a thorn in everybody's side for a long time. It's not just you. I know you saw him more because you know. You got that's your that's your physical closest geographical rival, but he was a thorn in everybody's side. I didn't I didn't like when the Mets had to face him in uh, big spots.
1: Yeah, luckily you know the Padres weren't always great, so he was just containing Tony Gwynn a lot of th- a lot of the time.
2: They'll always have nineteen ninety eight. But by, by the way, um, total side note: this, and, and you can have some fun with this one. Now the Cleveland is off the Schneid. San Diego is now the city that has the longest amount of professional sports seasons consecutively without without a major title.
1: That makes me feel good.
2: Yeah, I, I knew you'd like that one.
1: Uh, that makes me feel good.
2: Yeah. So so moving on now to the the topic of the Major League Baseball trade deadline. It's coming up in the month, and you're going to start to see some names uh, out out there. Uh, you know, to see who can improve contenders, who's going to sell to try to to you know replenish the system put themselves into a rebuilding mode. So we're just going to kind of go around buyers and sellers. Let's start with the buyers. Uh, so, you know, you have to look at the teams that are in contention because you don't want to buy when you're out when when you when you're of it just to rent a player that's not going to help you. But let, let's start with the National League. The teams that you have to look at as potential buyers are going to be the Chicago Cubs, San Francisco Giants, Washington Nationals, New York Mets, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers, and potentially the Miami Marlins.
1: Yes, yes. The Marlins are keeping up with you guys. I was, uh, I was actually looking that up today and I was pretty surprised that they have, uh, that they're tied with you guys in, in number of wins. So yeah, definitely. We could start with the Marlins if you'd like, dude. Uh, give me your thoughts on the Marlins. You see the American League East, I mean, the National League East more than I do. So you're familiar with it. What do you think can really benefit the Marlins most in, in, in this, uh, in this race, you know, going down the stretch?
2: They need it. They need another starting pitcher. Their bullpen. Their bullpen. I mean, their closer AJ Ramos is very, very good. They have a decent. Eighth, they have a decent eighth inning guy. It's just beyond weigh-in Chen and Jose Fernandez. They really have nothing, and they could really use slotting a guy in between Chen and Fernandez. Uh, I would specifically look at somebody who you know throws pitch, pitches left handed because that messes with both the Mets and the Nationals, who they're going to have to see quite a bit down the stretch. But I think that's their real need. That lineup scores quite a few runs. It's a very good lineup. And Marcel Zuna has been very impressive. But there's something to take into account. This is the Marlins, who at the spur of a moment could just enter a, a fire sale for no good reason.
1: Yeah, by tomorrow, John Carlos is gone.
2: I don't think he's the one that they would trade just because they, that contract is so absurd and he's been underperforming it so badly this season. I think it would be Jose Fernandez is the one that they would trade. And if they do that, they should be contracted.
1: (laughs) I don't disagree with that. I just haven't heard that word in a long, long time. So
2: move them to Vegas. If that happens. Yes.
1: Yes. We'll get into that as well. Uh, no, but I agree with you, man. I think the Marlins score enough for sure. Maybe a little bit of bullpen help couldn't hurt. I think that could benefit a lot of teams, to be quite honest. Uh, but, but yeah, I think it's all about the rotation. They need to bolster that and, and give Fernandez a little bit of help. But, but if they move a piece, you know, to get a premium, you gotta give up a premium. And I don't know if they're really willing to do that, especially like you said, the Marlins aren't exactly the most free spending clubs. Uh, they're usually a team that's willing to sell.
2: Yeah, so. I, I could see them adding something though, and they definitely have some stuff in the system to give up. The Marlins always seem to have a stocked farm system.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's because I mean, what of happens them. when
2: you never compete?
1: Exactly, exactly. You get rid of them before you get to, uh, you know, see them fulfill their talents in your in your uniform.
2: So move. Let's move. Let's move up the coast a little bit to Washington.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, can Washington hit enough? Is the real question, right? I mean, they've really been impressive in the, with their staff, and, and, and I know you know Murph is on fire, and and Bryce Harper is going to be Bryce Harper, but he hasn't exactly been the hottest, you know, since we last spoke. He he's been sputtering still, just quite a bit. He hasn't been exactly his electric self. So, and the Dodgers have kind of kept them in check these last couple of nights. So hopefully tonight that continues. I just think they're going to need some extra bats, man. I I, I don't know if if, if you know Harper is going to be enough, and, and and if Murph can really keep these numbers up, I mean Murph is insane, and, and 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 it's just I think that's their number one need. They need to pick up a bat, but the real question is, what do they give up? They have pitching, you know, but but that's the strength of this team, so it's kind of hand in hand. You know what I mean? You got to give a little to get a little, but I definitely think they they need to pick up a quality bat.
2: Yeah, so that's the thing. I think that they also need a back end of the uh, bullpen guy. Yes. do you trust Jonathan Papelbon?
1: Nobody trusts Jonathan Papelbon in any situation in life, man.
2: Yeah, and they line up also pretty well with the Yankees to try to get you know a an Andrew Miller or an Aroldis Chapman. I mean, I think one of those two guys would probably cost them Gialito. Uh Lucas Giolito, for anybody doesn't know, is the top pitching prospect in baseball. He's sitting in the Nationals' double A double A affiliate in a. I think it's in. I think I think their AA affiliate is in Trenton now, but I'm not sure. But either way, he's um he's he's very close to major league ready. Um, I, I don't know that. I mean, I would love for them to trade him because of the fact that the one thing I'm finding out this year is you can never have too much good young pitching. But uh, you I, I think that's what they. I think that's the piece that people are going to try to get from the Nationals, either that, either him or Trey Turner.
1: No, that's, that's a good shout. Trade Turner is also a very good piece that, that they can ship out and shop. Uh, I, I just think maybe, you know, an outfield piece, you know, Jason Worth hasn't exactly been very good. You know, Carlos Gonzalez has to get traded, I think, in, in, in Colorado. I think that would be a good fit. I mean, what are your thoughts on a cargo potentially in, in, in Washington?
2: I mean, I think the only question is where in the outfield do you put him because of the fact that you're paying Jason Worth that much you're gonna play. You don't want to move Harper to center, and you can't play Cargo in center. So I think it just becomes a packed outfield question. Now, who would would you consider moving Worth to first base? Can he play first base? Uh, you know, is that a possibility? Because the, the big hole in their lineup right now is Ryan Zimmerman, who's their first baseman, who's really just fallen off over the last few years. Uh, but that's who, I mean, that's the likely spot you can upgrade. I don't think there's too much that they can do at catcher because Jose Lobaton and Wilson Ramos is a good catching combination. Ramos being a decent offensive catcher and Lobaton being a very good defensive one. Um, short, they can upgrade their bats just by bringing up Turner over Danny Espinosa because Espinosa is pretty much garbage, but apparently they love him for the clubhouse. Uh, Anthony Rendon's actually hitting at this point, so that's good for them, and Murph is on fire. So it's just a question of, yes, they need a bat, but it's who do you move out of the way, and how do you move them out of the way to accommodate that bat?
1: That's why I'm not a fucking general manager. I leave it up to them.
2: Yeah, that's why they have that job. That's why most of them you know, have advanced statistical degrees from the Ivy League, which I, I don't have. I don't have one of those.
1: No, no, no.
2: I'm not a lawyer either. mm no. no. So then further up the coast of the New York Mets, this is a pretty straightforward and easy one. So let's not dwell on it too much. This team needs a third baseman <laughs> because David Wright Because I'm not sure that David Wright ever plays another game. Uh, rumors of two players that they're going to look at just so they don't have to part with anything in this system. Uh, Cause they kind of drained their system last year, making, making the run that they did. Uh, they need a, they could, they could go after Jose Reyes. Uh, he of diminished skills, who Met fans love, but I'm not sure how that plays out from a PR perspective because of what he did to his wife. And then you also have the possibility of signing Yulieski Uriel, who I've also heard that your Dodgers are interested in.
1: Yeah, I read that today, that, we're, that we gave him a look-see. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, if those are your options, I'd take a gamble on the unknown. More yeah, so than the bad PR stunt. I mean, we've seen Jose Reyes; he's fucking declined for the last decade, it seems, and and now he's hit rock bottom in 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 his personal life. It's like, how much baggage can you possibly carry? I mean, the Mets need less of that, not more of that.
2: Yeah, but on the other hand, the Mets need more speed and not less of it because they're also one of the slower teams in baseball.
1: That's a good point. That's a good point.
2: Yeah, but I think for them, it's just get it, get it, get a bat in here. Guriel would work. Reyes, I think, actually would be a solid bench player, but the, the baggage doesn't work for me. And another guy I'd maybe target, but it's the it's the issue with trading with Billy Bean is Danny Valencia, who is crushing the ball. The pro there's two things there's two things that come into play there. A apparently he's kind of an asshole and will blow up your clubhouse. And B, he's uh, you know, it's trading with Billy Bean, which never works because Bean wants
1: everything wants everything.
2: Yeah. He wants the world.
1: And sometimes he gets it. So I can see why he keeps asking.
2: Yeah, that's true. So move into the National League Central. You got the, basically, you got two buyers in this, potential buyers in this division the Cardinals and the Cubs. The Cardinals hovering around the wild card at the moment. Granted, there's still 92 games left to play. And the Cubs, who look like the greatest team in the history of baseball. What do you think the Cubs need?
1: Uh, very little, to be quite honest. They're, they're stacked, let's be honest. You know, the, their infield is all potentially going to start in the All Star game. Uh, maybe a catcher, just for shits and giggles. I mean, yeah, what, but what they, did, they,
2: really they did just call up. They did just call up uh, the, their their number one catching prospect, Wellington uh, Contreras, and he's you know already homered twice. You know, they, they bring up Almora. He throws a guy out at the plate in his first at bat. I mean, what these guys, what the Cubs did in the you know bringing up young position players is great. Um, their pitching seems. Their, their pitching is actually. They, they have the best rotation in. Baseball, by the numbers right now I mean better than even my team's rotation uh, I'd still take my team's rotation in, in you know assuming they're all healthy just because of the the power arms but the Cubs are still uh cubs are still out producing them um, I think basically the only thing this team could probably use is just another arm in the pen but I don't think they need to pay too much for it
1: I agree I mean this is a team that is has, has a run differential of 164. You know, 164 runs. Nobody else in the majors is more than 79. They they yeah. don't even have 80. So they've doubled everyone in run differential. This team seems like an unstoppable train, bro. And, and they're they're definitely. It's going to be tough for anybody in the National League to beat them. You know, to the series, to the pennant. Because if this team can stay healthy, they don't they don't really need to add anything. And, and they're stacked in every position.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I I. I... You have any faith in the Dodgers beating them? I have no faith in the Mets doing it.
1: No, I mean the Dodgers. I mean anybody can beat anybody. So yeah, and like you said, if your staff can get healthy and you guys can get there, there's a possibility. I wouldn't discredit that either. But 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 to see the Cubs have a, a really tough series and to stay cool for a long period of time I don't see happening. I think it's gonna to be tough for anybody to beat them. I I'm not too confident in the Dodgers being able to do it. I I mean there's a possibility, but it's gonna to be tough. We see that we can't really progress in the playoffs as Clayton Kershaw or bust and, and even we'd have Grinky in the past and that didn't really work out too well either. So it's it's been tough for us. So I don't have too much faith in it and and, and I mean the Cubs are, ex- are building that experience. Joe Madden seems really relaxed. He seems really confident in his team. And they're doing all this without Schwarber. You know, it's, it's not a complete team. And still, they're just f- it, phenomenal. This is one of the best baseball teams I've seen in a long, long time.
2: Yeah. I mean, basically, they're the best regular season team I've seen since the 98 Mariners. Now, obviously, the 98 Mariners didn't get the job done. But, you know, that obviously, there still obviously remains a lot to be seen with this Cubs team. But I think the only thing—I mean, also navigating the injury to Schwarber is huge. I mean, they got through that. That a lot of that crushes a lot of teams. Losing a guy that you're counting on to be a huge front producer—they haven't skipped a beat.
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. They don't skip a beat. The next guy picks them up, and they just keep going. Whoever Joe Madden plugs in, you know, they pay back the faith that he puts in them because no matter who it is, they fill a hole and they—they they excel. They just excel.
2: So then moving on to the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, you know, they're, they're actually a team that's Pythagorean record is actually much better than their regular record, a plus 72 run differential, which is still quite impressive. Uh, What do you, what do you, what do you think they need?
1: I mean, I think for me, the cards, uh, they can, they can hit a little bit more, uh, and, and they, they, they can use a little bit of help in, in this, in the rotation. I, I don't think that they, they have quite enough. Uh, and to be honest, I, I really see the central falling off quite a bit in that and maybe potentially not getting any wild card slots this season. I think it's going to be tough. There's going to have to be moves made. But if you're the Cardinals, what do you really move? I mean, are you going to give up youth or, or, or are you going to give up experience? And, and, and that's the question because they, they have a, a good mixture of both, but what do they really want to give up? You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, I mean I could see the the big thing I would dangle out there if I was the Cardinals would be just you know Grayson or Piscotti right? For for a pitcher.
1: Yeah, I mean that—that's—that's I mean, that, that's what they need. That's their biggest need. Yeah, I just don't know how much that—that that, that helps. They, I think they got to get quite a bit in return because I don't think this team, although like you said, they have a good run differential and stuff. I don't think this team has is as good as past Cardinals teams, and I do think they're going to, you know, falter going, you know, down the road and in, 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 into the summer.
2: Yeah, we'll see. I mean, pitching, pitching is definitely what this team needs, though, it, yeah, it, yeah. In, in both the rotation and probably the pen. To be perfectly honest, too. Well, yeah, and that's what's
1: surprising because they've had power arms in that pen year in and year out. They just pluck a guy from their farm system who, and put him in the pen and he just throws 105. But, but that seems to not be, you know, they don't, they they seem to have run out of arms.
2: Yeah, I mean, the thing that's the most disgusting is actually if you look at Trevor Rosenthal's four or ERA and one point nine two WHIP. Your closer is are nearly two base runners every inning. Like, you're not going to win a lot of games doing that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's the guy that's supposed to close the door out. That that's not going to help you ever.
2: Yeah, yeah. He's been he's been he's been uh, very shaky. But yeah, let's go to the West now. Giants and the Dodgers are the only two teams there that look like they're going to compete for anything. Um, let's quickly take a moment to laugh at the bad decisions and overspending of the Arizona diamondbacks.
1: Ha ha. <laughs> I, I don't feel bad at all about that.
2: I'm, I'm laughing out of it, but you have the giants and the Dodgers five and a half game spread between the two of them. Both of them, uh, giants being right now the second best team in the national league and the Dodgers and it's scorchingly hot and the Dodgers being decently hot as well. Winners of five straight 40 and 33 in one of the two wild card spots what do you make of uh what do you what do you make of what the Dodgers need first
1: I think the Dodgers need arms both in the starting rotation and 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 in the pen uh you know, we've been plugging holes with Urias, with Stripling, with Bolsinger, and, and, you know, we just either need to get healthy with McCarthy and Ryu, and Ryu's had a hiccup coming back, so that's gonna be a problem, uh, you know, for the foreseeable future. So, we need to really get an arm to really help stabilize that rotation and give, uh, Kershaw a good, a good solid number two, cause to be fair, Kazmir's been hit or miss, Maeda's been disappointing in all reality, so we really do need a bit of help there. And the pen has been shaky all season. I can't tell if it's because Roberts is, is it uncomfortable with certain guys or, or hasn't really found the chemistry or, or the right, you know, form, uh, formula that works for him. But in all reality, we just need arms. Uh, I trust the young guys. I trust the young guys that were playing. Getting rid of Carl Crawford was phenomenal. If we could get, you know, Andre Ethier off the books and and get something in return for him even if it's just bullpen arms I would gladly take it at this point because we've proven that we have great depth in the outfield and these youngsters Trace Thompson and players of that ilk are really coming through Jock Peterson is hitting above the Mendoza line so I'm happy for him and and he's producing and he's 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 been playing good baseball and, and that's all I can really ask for uh so yeah for me it's just arms the Dodgers need arms and they need arms badly
2: Yeah, I I have to agree with that. There's nothing that I could possibly say that, yeah, that that isn't that that's that's you know in disagreement with that. Also, partly because I'm gonna defer to the fact that you watch them more than I do.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, exactly. I mean, I defer every Mets information to you because it's only right.
2: Yeah, and then uh, the Giants. I, I think that there's only one. I think there's only one real need for this team, which is arms at the back end of the bullpen. I don't trust Santiago Casilla. I don't. No, I don't either. And he's banged up. Yeah, right.
1: And, and, and in reality, he's not to be trusted either, especially with a team that's this good and has a chance. I hate saying this. God, I hate that you make me say this. A team that's this good and really is this deep and, 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 and has been so hot and, and just such a consistent ball club from top to bottom. Everybody's really contributing. And, and Madison Bumgarner at the top of that rotation is, is every bit of what you expect. You know, Cueto going there has been phenomenal. He he's been you know like reborn. It's been good for his career. It's been good for the Giants, and, and for me, they they just need to get some bullpen help to to close out some games and really be strong at the back end. And they're going to be a real force, I think, if they can stay healthy as well.
2: Absolutely. So now, just hopping around the rest of the National League, I'm just going to throw out a few teams, uh, and I think yep, you know, they're going to each of these teams. I think might have these the following guys available at the deadline, if you make them them the right offer. Um, I think if you make the right offer to the Braves, you can get Freddie Freeman or Julio Teheran. So, you know, pitching needy teams can get Teheran. Hitting needy teams might be able to get Freeman. I could see the Pirates in some way trading away McCutcheon, but I think that's a long shot. I think the Pirates still think they're in it. They sort of are to a point. Uh, The Brewers, you can see, I think, Braun and Lucroy both going. Lucroy, I think, is going to be really highly sought after because... A catcher who's that good with pitchers and can hit that well is an extremely rare commodity. And then for the Reds, a perpetual trade bait, Jay Bruce. And then I could also just see Cargo as being trade bait from the rock pile and from the D-backs. I don't know because I, I don't think they know whether or not they should stick or twist.
1: Well, I don't know either, but they're going to have to make some decisions. And and I know this year is going to be unlikely since Pollock's injured, but going into the offseason, he might be a piece they move for the simple fact that, you know, they're not going to be able to keep him long-term with the money invested with some of these guys this season. And, And in reality, you know, how much he's a gamble going forward.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Match a trade there, a Matt Harvey package to Arizona for him with a heartbeat.
1: <laughs> oh man! Well, this is why we don't make decisions.
2: That's why I don't make decisions. I don't, I'm too passionate. So now let's go to the American League. Sticking in the, starting in the East, you have Baltimore, the the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays, all in position, all within two games of each other. So you're obviously those three teams are going to strengthen. Strangely enough, they all need the same thing, which is probably another starting pitcher.
1: That is exactly the case. I was going to say, these guys, they're so close, neck and neck, and, and they all need the same thing. They all need a starter, uh, and, and they they can use a couple bullpen payment arms, I'm sure, but I think whoever's going to be more most aggressive in the market giving up some pieces from the farm is going to be uh, most successful going forward in, in this race because that that's all they really need. And they're all going to be going for the same pieces to be quite honest. I just think the Red Sox are probably primed for that. Um, you they know, got the best farm. They got the best farm and their GM is proven to not give a shit about the farm. When he was in Detroit, we've seen him sell all the pieces and and, and win now mentality. And, and the Red Sox are probably going to go down that route as well, especially if they think they can really win. And and this season – I wouldn't count that out because uh, I think they really got a chance of winning in the American League.
2: I, I happen to agree with you. Uh, plus, also the other thing with the Blue Jays, similar to the Mets, only in a much more exaggerated fashion last year, they went really all in. And their farm system is, yep you know, it's it, what's bearer than bear?
1: I have no idea. Famished?
2: Yeah, that's that's what the Blue Jays' farm system is. They've got nothing. And then you can see the Yankees and the Rays probably as sellers.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that that has to be the case. I know the Yanks are only five and a half out, but I mean, they they are in decline. They're not really playing that well, uh, and they got to get rid of some of these players, you know, while they can,
2: you know. So Carlos guess, Beltran is a very attractive trade target.
1: He has. I think they have to pull the trigger on that move and get rid of him for something because this is probably the last time he's going to have any type of value.
2: Yeah. And also Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman. I right, think I value, right, right, too. Right,
1: right, Yeah, absolutely. I forgot about them. But, yes, absolutely.
2: Probably Nady Evaldi as well. Nady
1: Ovaldi is a player that when he was on the Dodgers, I, I had a bright hopes for, but I think we just didn't have enough uh, patience with that.
2: And, well, there we are. Uh, if you guys had the right amount of patience. He's not that good, but he still could be a reasonable you know, fourth or fifth starter for a team down the stretch.
1: Yeah, I just think it's. I'm so sad with what we've gotten out of the three, four, five hole this year that I'd, I'd bite your arm off for him right now.
2: And then Tampa Bay, uh, I could see Longoria being traded. I, I don't think any team's going to pony up what they want for him, but I could see them shopping him, especially also because if they're going to try to rebuild, that's a lot of money they get off the books.
1: Yeah, I think he's the only piece that. They should really be focused on moving. Uh, you know, it's ran its course and he's not the productive player that he's getting paid to be. If they could get somebody to take some of that money off the books, even if they eat a little bit, then so be it. But I don't, like you said, I don't think it's that likely because of what he's going to demand, you know?
2: Absolutely agree. Um, going to the central once again, another tight race where you have Cleveland, Kansas City, and Detroit bunched up. The White Sox are a disaster at this point after their ridiculously good start and the twins are the worst team in baseball. So they're obviously going to try to sell any veteran that they have that people would want. But what do you think the, uh, I mean, I, the Royals I've got to see actually two days in a row, pretty close up. Um, they have a lot of injuries right now. They're also terrible on the road. I don't know how you remedy the terrible on the road part, but, uh, the, their, their bullpen, which was a strength last year, has been pretty disastrous lately, and their rotation leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah,
1: I think that's the main concern for the Royals, man, is they got to sure up that rotation. They don't have the pieces they had last year, uh, Cueto being the key, key piece there, and, and, and they're really missing that. Uh, I mean, for them to be... You know two and a half games out is a credit to them because they they have been sputtering quite a bit, especially on the road like you mentioned it 's just phenomenal what they 're doing at kaufman stadium that 's what's really keeping this team afloat let 's be honest so they they do need to bolster that 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 uh that rotation and, and that bullpen as well i mean I think that's a common theme in a lot of these 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 you know for these teams is is you know pitching wins games especially in in short series is, and, and and you need those arms going forward and and i think that there's going to be a lot of interest in some some big arms going going forward in for a lot of teams here
2: yeah and uh you know the indians and the tigers have very similar needs to the royals uh the tigers probably could use another starting pitcher because you know verlander and michael Phil and michael Fulmer have been quite good Um, Michael Fulmer being the guy that they got for, you know, that they got in the Yoannis assessmentist trade. Um, I think that should leave as a footnote for anybody. If you want to get a good pitcher, probably go to the Mets because they teach everybody how to throw the most ridiculous wipeout slider possible. But uh, I think that both those teams really could just, once again, use the same kind of pieces that the Royals can.
1: Yeah, I mean, that that's what's making these races so interesting in the American League is that in, in these divisions, these teams are built so similarly, you know what I mean? And we're seeing in, it become, you know, routine or or, or commonplace that, that they build in similar molds and they have similar needs. We're seeing that across the American League, really.
2: Yeah. Now, here's a question for you about the uh, Chicago White Sox. Do you think that they shop Chris Sale?
1: You have to eventually, man. I think you have to. Uh, he's the be- brightest piece you have. He might be the brightest piece you have in a long time unless you trade him for another bright piece. And, and I don't see the White Sox being any good really for quite some time. I mean, they need a—they have a lot of needs.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I do like the fact that they just called up Tim Anderson, Tim Anderson being their stud, shortstop prospect, actually a throwback player to the kind of guy we were talking about earlier as a hitter who's a guy who puts the ball on the ground and runs. But they just they could use the pieces that they got for sale to um, you know to really jumpstart the process. They've already started letting go some veterans. They DFA Jimmy Rollins. Fare thee well, Jimmy. And they DFA Matt Latos. Go fuck off, Matt. But uh, you know uh, you know Matt Latos seventh inning stretch favorite. But um, but they, they they've basically thrown a white flag up on the season, so they might as well you know make it worth their while.
1: Exactly. I, I just think I just think that's the last piece that completely says, hey, we gave up." And I don't know if they're ready to do that to the fan base. But I think the fan base knows what's coming, man.
2: Yeah. And that brings us to the and uh, the Minnesota Twins. Realistically, the only trade piece there is Joe Mauer, but nobody's going to take on that contract.
1: Negative one hundred and twelve runs. Come on,
2: Twinkies. They're bad. They're they're so bad.
1: <sighs> we don't have to talk about this anymore. I'm so disappointed in them.
2: But uh going to the West, the Rangers are smoking this division and running away with it. The Mariners have come back to earth quite a bit, and the Astros are on fire. The Angels and the Athletics are the Angels and the Athletics.
1: Yeah, um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, most of these teams are sellers. I mean, the Mariners he, he, and the Astros, who are the Astros, who are on the come up here, are, are they probably sellers as well? But. I just don't know what they move. They have a lot of good young pieces. They got off to a poor start. They can use some more pitching. I think that was the case even last season. Uh, So, yeah, I I think the the Astros could move a couple pieces, a couple hitters, and get a couple more arms. Uh, But the Astros have the same same issues as the Rockies, though. They just hit, and then they can't pitch ever. So it's just hard to see that work in Houston. They need a better ballpark.
2: Well, they do, uh, but the one thing I am a little shocked with the Astros, is I didn't picture Dallas Keuchel going this far backwards, I didn't picture Colin McHugh going this far backwards, um, McCullers has been mediocre since he came back striking a lot of guys out, but has terrible control issues. I didn't see these pitchers going down this path. Now, the other thing is, and this is something that I, you know, let this be a lesson to any GM or, you know, if you're just playing uh, video games, don't ever trade five players who are prospects for a young closer who throws 100 miles an hour. Closers are replaceable. Young pitching is not.
1: Let that be a lesson to you, kids.
2: If you're ever going to be a GM, heed this advice. Yes, from two non-GMs. And hey, give me a job.
1: Somebody, please. This please. man, Please. Needs- yes, yes.
2: I need to work in baseball. He
1: does, because that way he can stop bugging me every day.
2: It's true, it's true. Armando's <laughs> vo- Armando's text messages will become less.
1: Oh man! But I mean, sure. dude, I think that's it for me. You got anything else for us?
2: No, I got I got nothing else either. I don't want to talk about the Angels or Athletics.
1: No, nobody does. Nobody no. wants any of their pieces either.
2: Maybe Danny Valencia. Yeah, but I we, mean,
1: we discussed this already.
2: If the if the Angels were to trade Mike Trout, I'd take him. But, but I don't.
1: Nah, that's not, <laughs> not not yet. Not yet. That's, that's not that, happening you, you, not
2: yet. The haul you'd have to trade to give up Mike Trout would be absurd.
1: Well, yeah. And he's probably worth every bit of it, though.
2: Completely. He's best player in baseball. There you go. Yeah. All right. So that's it from us on the this issue, of this edition of the seventh inning stretch. As always, compliments on the show to at Rolls on Shabbos and complaints to our at Armando on Gula 12.
1: This is why my inbox is always much
2: fuller. I think it's because of the fact that you're antagonistic with people on, on Twitter, Armando. That's facts. I yeah, love everybody.
1: True. I love everybody. Equal opportunity.
2: Alright, well, that's it from us. We'll, we'll be back to you soon and have a nice evening. Bye, everybody. Or afternoon or morning, whenever you listen to this. Please listen. Please, please listen.